This is Indie Business Podcast, Episode 65. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Indie Business Podcast. I am your host, mentor, and coach, Donna Maria, the founder and CEO at IndieBusinessNetwork.com and the hostess of the Indie Cruise and the Maker Mastermind Circles. My goal is to help you build a solid business foundation, increase your income, and use your business to create the life you love. In this episode, I will introduce you to Joanne Volker of Mount Airy Lavender Farm in Coatesville, Pennsylvania. Joanne started her lavender business recently after a long career in the financial services industry, during which time she worked in Belgium. It was there that she fell in love with lavender so much that she decided she had to grow some herself. Joanne started Mount Airy Lavender Farm, and she already knows it's where her long-term passion is. It's not just the business that she loves or even the lavender. As you'll enjoy learning in this episode, it's also about the contribution she can make to her local community as she simultaneously preserves a farm that's been in her family for generations. Talk about having your heart in your business. Enjoy my interview with Joanne now. You can get a summary for this episode at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash 65. I can't wait to introduce you to Joanne Volker at Mount Airy Lavender Farm in Coatesville, Pennsylvania. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Maker Mastermind Circles, your opportunity to set and slay one audacious goal and two mini goals in a 12-week period with the personalized guidance of an experienced entrepreneurial mentor and the support of a private, discreet, and loving community. Doors open only four times a year for each 12-week circle session, and space is limited. Learn more and apply today at makermastermind.com. And now, let's welcome Joanne Volker of Mount Airy Lavender Farm in Coatesville, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the Indie Business Podcast. Thank you, Donna Marie. It's great to be here today and to speak to you. So, Joanne, I did a little bit of research on you, and the first thing I noticed was that you have a long career completely outside of anything having to do with lavender, like totally outside of it. So when I looked at it, I was reading about living in Belgium and being involved in financial investments. And I was like, whoa, I have got to get this story. So take us back a little bit, Joanne, and tell us how, uh, you know, what you were doing before you started Mount Airy Lavender Farm and how in the world did we transition from that to what you're doing right now? Okay. Well, I, I guess I'll st- just start with the lavender a little bit. Um, it started as a, ra- a la- hobby, really. And my husband and I built a house so my husband, on my family's and farm in eastern Pennsylvania. And I always loved lavender. And, and we first we went to Brussels to pick a place to live after visiting many houses all in one day. Uh, we came upon this house. I was immediately drawn to it because of the beautiful hedges of lavender that lined the driveway and the walkways. And then, of course, while living there, I also traveled to the south of France to visit all those massive, breathtaking lavender fields in Provence. So um, when we returned to the U.S. in the spring of 2011 to our home on the family farm, I really missed living in Brussels and decided to recreate a little piece of lavender by planting the lavender field. And at that time, I knew nothing about farming or lavender. And I did a bunch of research, had 500 plants shipped from Oregon, and with my husband's help, planted our first field in the spring of 2012. 
And that summer we visited a lavender festival in Sonoma, California. And I was fascinated and inspired by the possibility of creating a viable lavender business. And shortly after, I stumbled upon the U.S. Lavender Growers Association and their first conference in Richmond. And at the conference, I was so grateful for the information sharing and all the information, experience, and advice that I received from the speakers and the attendees. And in retrospect, I realized I knew nothing about lavender when I attended that conference. I didn't even know that there were different varieties of lavender, the benefits of lavender, and how to successfully grow lavender in my part of the world. Um, so at first, I was just focused on growing the lavender, and I wasn't quite sure what I was go going to do with it. And um, as you asked about my career, I actually started in computer science way back when, a long time ago, and um, was a computer programmer, and then I managed big information system departments, and then I started working for a big investment company 25 years ago, and came in as a senior officer, so the company's philosophy was to move you around quite a bit. And so I had a lot of general business experience, but during my career, I always had the entrepreneurial bug. And over the, over, you know, the years, I actually started a few businesses. Back in the 80s, it was popular to have a video store. So we opened, I opened a video store. And then, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> and wow, then, that's taken me back for sure. Right. And then also we opened an ice cream parlor somewhere along the line. So I had that entrepreneurial bug. And I was growing the lavender on the farm, you know, like I said, as a hobby. I was harvesting it and drying it. And then when I went to these conferences and visited some of these other farms, I realized that, wow, you can really, you know, this is a viable business. It's something I love doing. It's fun. And, uh, and meanwhile, I was farming. And I was accumulating this lavender. And then at um, our United States Lavender Growers Association conference in 2015, I was introduced to distillation and ended up buying a copper still at the conference. And the timing was perfect because I needed to figure out what to do with all that lavender. And I also and learned I think about that, that was that conference. Was that the one in Arizona? Is that where I... I think I was that one was that there. one was actually in San Antonio in 2015. Okay. Okay. I must be thinking about it differently. Yeah, so, yeah, Joanne, you know, you joined so, us in 2017 in May. 2017. Okay, so mm -hmm. so Joanne, like, t put me back in your head to like going from this traditional career, and I know you had like a video store and some and, a, and an ice cream shop and other things. Um, which are actually like more traditional businesses like ice cream mm -hmm. shops and retail sorts of sorts of things that don't require you to grow anything, right? You don't have to really do much packaging. You put the scoop on the cone and give it to the customer and, you know, there's no shipping. There's none of that. So t t tell me a little bit about how you, in your mindset, went from like a traditional type of work environment. Like, did you quit your job right away? Did you transition over time? How did you do that? And what was going through your head in terms of, like, is this going to be, um, you know, another sort of ice cream shop thing where it lasts a few years? Or I don't know how your ice cream shop lasted, but it's going to last a bit and then I see what happens. Or were you like full bore, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make this lavender career a business for the next, you know, many, many years of my life. And that is what's going to happen. And let's just jump in and go for it. Like, what was your process? Yeah. There, if you don't, yeah. Can you share that? So, Yes, yes. No, it wasn't full bore, definitely. That's why I said it started out as a hobby because I, um, I, I planted the lavender, like I said, to really for my own enjoyment. 
you know, to kind of create that piece of Europe in our own backyard. And it evolved from there. And uh, at first, you know, I was just focused on the farming aspects of growing. And I liked gardening, but I really didn't have that big goal in mind, you know, that some people have this big, you know, master plan that they're following. And for me, it was, it evolved and, um, and an opportunity kind of presented itself actually because I was, I, I got the still, I got more and more interested. I bought the still, I started distilling the lavender and making essential oil. And I thought, well, maybe I'll make products at some point down the, the road. But then uh, all of a sudden, my, we got this request. Um, a friend of ours was starting an ar- having a harvest festival. And um, it was a month away. And my sister and I, and my sister was kind of my business partner. And I kind of recruited her. And I said, look, this is an opportunity for us to make some products and participate. And, and at first we thought there's no way we can do this. We only have a month. And we had the lavender and we had the oil, but we didn't have a label. We didn't have a brand and we didn't have products. But, you know, I always feel that you have to be very aware when opportunity strikes, go for it. We were a little bit um, stressed out that we only had a month to do, do it, but we did it and we launched our products and we were set very successful with that harvest. Fest. And that's what got us into the business. Mm-hmm. And for a while, you know, uh, my sister still works full time and we're still, we're doing this. Um, and I just retired last year. So we, for a while it was, a, you know, I guess you guys call it a side hustle. Um, right. And, right. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, I mean, it, it really just started as a business a couple of years ago, right? Right, right, right. So, so, um, so when you decided to, you know, you, you got the farm, you started, you had that, you had that, um, that, that uh, event that you just mentioned and everything was pulled off and it was really, really stressful. Like, how did you actually turn it into a business? Did you hire people to like harvest the lavender and do you have, you know, what sorts of, of harvesting and farm type systems do you have in place? Like, so I'm thinking about like other people who might want to start any sort of a business where they grow the products they sell? Like what are some of the things that you have to do on the front end to make that be successful? Yes. Well, we do have someone who helps us maintain a farm in our lavender fields, but it takes a lot of knowledge too uh, on how to grow. You know, in our case, the, the lavender really requires a lot of sun and a lot of dry soil. And we live in Eastern Pennsylvania, which tends to be humid and moist and we have cold winters. So you do have to do research and um, uh, you really kind of, uh, understand what nutrients are required and what kind of um, water requirements and those kinds of things. And, you know, so it takes a little bit of homework there. And that's where, you know, I keep touting the Lavender Conference because you're going to speak at the Lavender Conference next month and we're thrilled to have you. I am. But, I am. but that um, joining the United States Lavender Growers Association really helped me because I didn't know all those things and it would take years to learn it all. So, um, you know, having a network of people that you can tap into is really important, I believe. And uh, that's, that's what really helped us. And, you know, and, and that's such, such a good point for anyone listening, even if you're in a different field, is to find that group or that community or that conference or whatever it is of people that are doing the same thing you are. Because, Joanne, correct me if I'm wrong, like you had this farm long before you decided to do anything Lavender-associated. 
uh, in, in a business sense. You had a, a family farm. And so once you started learning about lavender, it wasn't like you could go back to Pennsylvania and change the ground or change the climate, right? You, you had to make, you either had to move or you had to do your lavender business where you were. So right. learning and about the climate and how to adjust for growing conditions was even more important for you because you didn't, you couldn't just take your idea and go to another plot of land in, in another community that had a different geographical situation and make it work. Yes. And even though I said it was a family farm, it really wasn't, we weren't farmers. Um, you know, it's 50 acres, but mostly horse, you know, we have horses, so it's mostly supports our horses. So we have we have a farmer that actually comes in and plants a hay and that hay helps support our horses, but we're not really farmers, so to speak. So, uh, you know, I just got enthralled with a lavender living over in Europe. Uh, like I said, wanted mm -hmm. to recreate a piece of Europe in my own backyard. And then one of the reasons why my sister and I though evolved it into a business is because we really wanted to preserve the family farm. Like my parents worked really hard for the farm, you know, to, to keep the farm because um, mm -hmm. they had gone through an eminent domain struggle where, you know, the local township tried to take the farm using eminent domain laws to build a golf course. And, uh, you know, that was a, a tough battle for my parents and they really held on to the farm. And, um, you know, so that's, that's what we, we really want to do. I mean, we really want to start the business, not to, you know, make, you know, a million dollars or anything, but really to support our farm, to continue to beautify it and, you know, the lavender, and we're starting to expand into cut flowers, you know, really to, oh, that's to kind of, kind of, you know, mm -hmm. give back and to preserve yeah, yeah. the farm and support it going forward for future generations. And I love the idea of, of having that as a part of your why, like why you want your business to be successful is not just because, you know, you want to make money, although that's obviously important. It's not sure. even just because of the lavender. It's, it's because of something that's in your heart, that's in your soul, that's in like tied as a ribbon through your life. And that's right. like always um, so inspiring. And actually, I think always one of the things that helps a business be successful is that you have something like that that gets you up in the morning or I guess when the fields are frozen over, it makes you kind of want to, you know, get through that instead of just throwing in the towel. Cause I, I would imagine those times are sometimes tough as well. So once you decided to, um, to, and let me just say this too about the lavender conference. When I went to my first lavender conference and I'm so excited to be invited back for a second time, I was astounded, Joanne, when, cause I didn't, I didn't know. I knew about the lavender conference, but I'll just confess, like I didn't know how many people, were involved in this particular industry. And I've been obviously, you know, on the circles of this industry for a long time, but I didn't realize that it had formed such a cohesive group and such a cohesive community. When I walked into that hotel, the whole thing, first of all, smelled like lavender. The entire <laughs> hotel smelled like lavender. And then when I went into the exhibit hall and when I went into the speaking areas, I mean, there was purple and, and lavender everywhere. And there were all these people. And I was like, right. oh my goodness. And it was so, so exciting too, Joanne, because there were people who knew nothing about lavender, just like to walk around and smell lavender. And there were people who were like, 
you know, had been, had these lavender farms and they've been in business for a long time and, and they had all these products and things to sell. So it was such an exciting eye-opening time for me. Um, for those of you who are interested in lavender, I highly encourage you to check it out. But it, it just, it just emphasized, Joanne, to me, what a resurgence there is in this country, not just of artisan type entrepreneurs in the lavender field, but just in general, like if it's there for lavender, it's there for almost everything, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we see a lot of people like myself who maybe have, you know, family farms they want to preserve and, but a lot of new young people want to create that great lifestyle for their children, you know, where, it's kind of back to your roots and back to family and get out of the rat race and, you know, do work with your hands and be creative and, you know, uh, have control over your own future, which is um, what I think attracts people to doing this kind of work. Cause it is hard right. work. I mean, that is one thing I yeah. did learn. Yeah. It is farming and, you know, I have um, 1500 plants, but I probably planted three times that many because I've lost them during some winters and some tough summers and you have to replant and kind of keep going forward. So uh, how does your farm actually work? Like what, what is, what is the structure that you have put in place that makes it actually function so that you can, you know, get the harvest done on time and then also make the products because at Mount Airy Lavender Farm, you, you at your website and, and, and other places, you actually have a line of products that you sell as well, right? Yes, we do have a line of products. Um, so how do things work? Like what's the, what's the structure or the systems that make things work? Like I, I obviously planting, you know, certain, certain time of year, the plants go in, certain time of year they come up, then you distill, then you make products. Like how does that, how does that work for you? Yes, well, we do have, we believe in processes. You know, we're small. We have one person that helps us with the farming side of it. But otherwise, at this point, we're relying mostly on family members during crunch time and my sister and I do most of the work and I, I'm I am we are at the point where we need to hire some help so I'm thinking about hiring a paid intern this summer but we do believe in processes and we have calendar you know we have we know when we need to order new plants we know when we need to plant the plants we need know when we need to um, have regular weeding schedules and watering schedules and harvesting schedules. And we tend to focus mostly on the plants in the summertime and then the products and the product development, the other, and we have all of our processes written down too. So we, um, you know, so we don't have to recreate the wheel all the time, or if we've made a mistake earlier or we um, forgot a step, we, we don't. We have eliminated that by right. auto, you know, writing everything down and following the right. process over and right. over again. That's so that's so helped important. us quite a bit. Yeah, that's to have like your own business that. recipe. I love that, um, and that's so smart. So tell us a little bit about the products that you make. Like, what are your most popular products, and um, you know, what are the ones that you decided to start with? How did you decide to start with certain ones? Tell us about what you offer. Okay. So, of course, we, we sell the essential oil. Like I said, I have this copper still. We put the lavender in there. We make the oil. So people buy the um, essential oil in, like, rollers that they can put in their purse or they can and they have them available to them, you know, at um, easy access. And essential oil has some really great benefits, calming and soothing benefits. So people buy the raw essential oil. 
the other products that are particularly import, uh, popular are our creams. So you have a face cream and a body butter uh, cream. And, uh, and we have a new product that's a shimmering body scrub. We make a lot of our products from scratch with uh, our own recipes that we've adapted from you know, workshops or things that we've seen on the web. But we also make some of our products um, by adding our essential oil to a base that we have made for us that's made out of um, organic ingredients and you know, no bad ingredients that um, could be harmful. And, uh, and people love the, the products because they can really smell the real lavender. So many mm-hmm. products that um, you buy, so many lotions and creams mm-hmm. use, on the market use synthetic scent, lavender scents. You know, they're mm-hmm. not even, it's not even real lavender oil. It's some kind of synthetic scent that they use in their products. So people tell, can tell the difference. And, right, and what's right. surprising... What's surprising me to me too, the people that buy our lotions or our body butters or our face creams, it's not just the fact that it makes their skin look great, but they also uh, uh, appreciate the peel, the calming and soothing qualities. Like I have one uh-huh. woman who told me that she wakes up in the middle of the night. Sometimes she can't sleep. And uh-huh. the first thing she does is reach for our body butter and oh, the body butter. <laughs> yeah. Helps put her yeah. back to sleep. You know, and helps get her back yeah. to sleep. Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking at your Instagram and I'm looking at, um, <laughs> I know body butter is great and I know lavender is really soothing, but I'm looking at these shortbread cookies. <laughs> Can we buy those too? They look really delicious. I have to say, I know you just had a holiday open house, so maybe they're all gone or maybe they're only available if you come in person, but they're really cute and they have a little lavender sprinkled around the outside and baked right yeah. in. They're gorgeous. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so you also have events, right? You have events at your farm. I know, like like I said, you just had a, a holiday event. Do you open it up? Like people go and pick their own lavender and like make their own lavender crafts and things sometimes if the weather permits, maybe in the warmer months? Yes, the events, and in fact, the events have been some of our most, um, you know, popular outlets for selling our products. You know, we've have, we have different workshops. We have lavender wreath making and come paint the lavender and uh, floral design. And, you know, I do a workshop on doing, uh, making your own body scrub. So people love those workshops and, and those events. And, and one of the and, things you, I think you just mentioned that when you, when you have people there to make products, and you, I, I'm assuming you have some sort of a, um, like a materials charge or something, you charge a fee for those classes, then they buy your product. So let's talk a little bit about that business dynamic as well, because for people who make the products they sell, um, they obviously know how to make the product. So is, is that an integral part of your business model to have these classes and lead people to buy the products? Is that something that you're doing in a purposeful way as a part of your actual business plan, or is it something that's you know just fun and interesting to do when you have time? No, it's an important part of our business plan is you know for people to come to the farm and buy our products, especially when the lavender is in bloom. But even and for ho- and holidays too, it's it's you know that's our our business model is to buy the products. We enjoy doing the workshops. It helps generate a lot of. Um, new clients and a lot of enthusiasm about the lavender. But, um, you know, purpose is really for people to come visit the farm, enjoy the atmosphere, and 
learn and, and love our products. So we, can, can we you did, have parties at the farm too? Like, can you have like, I know you said you have maybe horses. Can you have like a kid's party with horses or are there other sort of business component things that feed the farm and the lavender business at the same time that aren't, you know, tied to actually selling a product? Well, we have hosted weddings at our farm and um, we do those on a selective oh, how basis. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not, you know, a huge commercial wedding venue and we have to rent our, you know, tables and chairs and all those kinds of things for a wedding. So we, we're kind of selective about it and we put a lot of personal touch and care, you know, we're very Pinteresty uh, to make it have all those little special touches. So we don't, we don't do a whole lot of um, mm-hmm. like parties because we do respect our privacy and, you know, our mission is to build a profitable business um, doing the things we love, but maintaining work-life balance. Mm-hmm. So we don't, mm-hmm. we're not open, like we don't have a store at our farm. Uh, mainly, and we, we're always like tempted to open a store at the farm because we've got a great location for agritourism. But we always kind of go back to our mission, like, wait a minute, if we do that, all of a sudden, you know, we're tied to being open, you know, on a, on a specific schedule. So the open houses and, and the craft fairs and uh, the online store has been uh, a great way for us to sell the products and, and let people come and enjoy the farm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but also protect, you know, our work-life balance. Well, I want to unpack that for a second, Joanne, because that's very fascinating that you said that. Um, it makes me think about um, what I think we all remind ourselves of as entrepreneurs, or hopefully we do, that just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Um, and so so ha- are you ever tempted? Like, how do you – like, I know you must have heard this from other makers and handmade entrepreneurs as well. You know, I want to make this. Like, I saw this new product, and I get all the packaging, and then I'm going to make it. And they're so excited. And then, you know, the next thing you know, it's like they're overwhelmed and, you know, it's like, ah, you know, not making any money anyway. Um, and so it sounds like you have, from the sound of your voice, even and how calm it is, you must be smelling some lavender right now. But it sounds <laughs> like you have, you and your, um, the, the people around you have decided that you have like boundaries, like you have certain lines that you've drawn in the sand, you want to be profitable, you want to, you know, run your business, as you said, like a business, you have the systems and this quote, unquote, recipes in place. Um, but you also don't want to grow to the point where the, 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 the joy that you get out of doing it dissipates. Absolutely. That that's always, say? yes. And that's always front and center in our mind, you know? Okay. Um, okay. And, but you know, it's, I know that's so, I'm, I'm so glad you're saying this because here's the thing, what we see today and really all the time is just so much, you know, you know, have a, you know, five figure week or a five figure day or, you know, have this massive launch and make all this money and spend the rest of your time on the beach somewhere, um, you know, forever, you know, twirling your children around at the playground all day long while your business makes money without you. So what, what's interesting to me is that um, what you're saying is um, you're not tossing the financial profitability part out the window, obviously, but it's not about starting a business that makes oogobs of cash all the time. It's about having a business that fulfills you personally and also generates the income that you need to do the things you want to in your life. 
Yes, and continue, and, and also to continue to beautify and support our farm. So the community part is important to you, and obviously not just on the land that you own, right? But but the impact that you have on the on the in, on the geography and the people who live on the lands around you is important to you as well. Right, right, and actually, you know, we do sell online, but. Up to this point, a lot of our online sales come from people who know us through through coming to our workshops or coming to our uh, open houses or you know neighbors and and those kinds of things. But we did experiment this year with farmers markets. Uh, my sister and I, you know, participated in a local farmers market, and we found that although that helped generate our mailing list or grow our mailing list, it it wasn't really a great outlet for us because people who attended our local farmer's market were there to buy their produce. So we do experiment a little bit with different avenues to see, you know, what works. And next year we've decided we're going to focus more on the workshops and, and open houses at our farm. And so your, your business is really all businesses relationship based, of course, but yours is really, really relationship based because you've decided to bring the people to you more than you go to them. So, and that, that allows you, I would guess, to maintain a, lo a lot of that lifestyle that you want to have as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, that sounds exciting. So, yeah. so as you grow, um, your business is going to um, have more people in your physical space, but you're going to control that by not having like retail store hours, but by just hosting events on a schedule that works for you. Yes. So yeah. we've talked a little bit about this already, but you know, what, what, what does it mean to you to be indie? Like to, how, how can you describe for people who might be interested in, you know, I'd love to do that. My family owns some farm farmland and maybe I could do something similar to that. Like, but I have a job, like, and I have these other, you know, I have sort of this, this style of my life that I've lived, but I want to change it. Like, how, how has being indie, how would you describe being indie to that person in a way that could help them understand and help them, um, you know, consider the things they want to consider, you know, to decide whether to do something like this or not? Yeah. Well, I mean, being in indie has given us the opportunity to be creative. And we, we both are very creative and we, and also to control our own future. And it gives us a, a real sense of accomplishment. I think that's the reason why we do it <laughs> is the, the sense of pride from the positive feedback we get from our clients. But at the same time, it means a lot of work and hard work. And especially if you're doing it on the side and my sister has a full-time job, as I mentioned, and I just retired last year, but this kind of plays to our strengths as well, because we really like to be busy and most importantly, we really love what we're doing. And, you know, I guess on the downside, though, you, you are running a business. Mm -hmm. So you have to pay attention to all of the aspects of the business, just not just the things that you love. So it takes a lot of discipline. You know, for example, you have to track all your financials and pay mm -hmm. attention to your costs. And like you said, know what's working and what's not working. And, um, and you know, tracking the financials isn't, necessarily the fun part for me but you have to do it and uh you know and i'm like i'm not that keen on selling either you know but but that has to be done too so you can't well, but just when like, you love you love i mean i i know what you're saying about the selling but i would imagine that because it's the family farm and because you love the actual lavender itself i mean you went to a conference once and left with a copper still like 
Right. That's just, you must really love what you're doing. Um, is there a good amount of overlap there that helps you to maybe not feel like you're selling even when you are because you just love what you're doing so much? Yes, absolutely. I mean, when you're talking about your products and what you're, what, and especially when people come to us on the farm, you're right. It's not selling, you know, it's just kind of sharing your story and um, telling people about the benefits of lavender. I guess that's another thing that I, I didn't emphasize very much, but that's what really has um, motivated me even more. The more I hear other people's stories about how lavender has helped them, you know, soothe their aches and pains. Or I had a nurse tell me about how they use lavender uh, in Alzheimer's with Alzheimer's patients, massaging the lavender in the patient's hands. And not only does it calm the Alzheimer's patients, but it calms the caregiver too. And, you know, all that is words of encouragement that keeps you you know, doesn't feel like selling at all, like you said. <laughs> right, right. So tell us a little bit, if you would, about the uh, United States Lavender Growers Association and the conferences that you all have there. So people who right. might be interested can learn a little bit more about that. Sure. So the United States Lavender Growers Association was created in like 2012, and it was created by a group of lavender farmers that recognized the need for a support group. And they got together and created the organization. And we have uh, about 400 and, or almost 500 members now. And they have, when you become a member, you have access to a closed Facebook group. You have access to a closed uh, website that has lots of information in it about growing lavender and resources. And the Facebook group is great for asking people questions and sharing stories. And then the conferences are held uh, across the country. We've had them in multiple cities. This one will be in Charleston. You mentioned you were in Mesa. And they're, they're really well attended. I mean, this conference is going to have over 300, 300, almost 350 people attending. And a lot of new people who are there to learn and a lot of experienced people there who are there to share information and to get new ideas for their business as well. We have three tracks. So one is all about growing your lavender product uh, business. So that's more about branding. And, um, you know, that's kind of the track you'll be talking to people in about creating a community. Mm -hmm. And then there's a track around diversifying your products and services, which will be kind of new ideas, people's experience about holding lavender festivals and um, how they've diversified their business. And then uh, there's yeah. another kind of like what you were talking about with you do at the farm with your events and your workshops and things. Right, right. And then we have a track on lavender farming as well. Okay, right. so you actually will be some people will be there to actually teach you like the physical aspects of like growing the plants. Right, about the Excellent. nutrient requirements and all yeah, those kinds yeah. of things. And you do this conference every two years, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Takes okay. a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears to put the conference together because it's a it volunteer is, yeah. organization. Yeah. But uh, it's just, a, it's really, really a gratifying, a fun, fun time. And what's the and, website and you know, we can go to to learn more? So it's um, uslavender.org. Okay, great, great. That's really great, everyone. uslavender.org. Make sure you check that out. Um, it's in Charleston uh, in 2019, and then uh, it'll be in another place um, the next time they host it. And it is so 
much fun. And maybe Joanne will bring her lavender shortbread cookies. Um, yeah, <laughs> some of those which are awesome. So you're right. That's the draw. That's the draw yeah. for open houses. <laughs> I know. I mean, they had lavender lemonade, or was it lavender iced tea? I can't remember what it was. And it was in uh, Arizona, and it was kind of toasty outside. So I remember just standing by the table for a while and refreshing myself. It was great. So you um, want to tell us a little bit too about where to go to buy your products, and and uh, for those who are in. Uh, the eastern part of Pennsylvania, you know, listen up to how you can find out more about the events. And for those of us who are online, tell us what to do as well, Joanne. Right. So we have a website and it's www.mountairylavender.com. So it's, you don't spell out the mount. It's M-T-A-I-R-Y lavender.com. And likewise, we have a Facebook and an Instagram um, site which is Mount Airy Lavender. So M-T-A-I-R-Y-L-A-V-E-N-D-E-R. Okay. And to find out about events, do we follow on Facebook? Where, where do you usually announce those the most? Yeah. So, so uh, we do Facebook, Instagram, and on our website. And we'd love to have folks sign up for our mailing list, which you can do on our website. And, uh, and then we will send you mailings about our events or sales or uh, information about Lavender. And we, we post all of our events on, like I said, on our website, on Facebook, and on Instagram. All right, Joanne, that's great. MountAiryLavender.com. Don't spell Mount out, M-T-A-I-R-Y, Lavender.com. So, Joanne, as we close out here, tell us, if you would, like what is like one piece of advice that you would like to share with people that you have learned in your years in business or even even something that you wish you'd known when you gotten started that can help someone else along the way yeah so I would say just a few things and first of all you know to be realistic otherwise you could get very discouraged and recognize that it's going to be a journey and it's going to take some time um, and you know, we see all these gorgeous photos on social media and read about these huge success stories. But if you dig deeper or listen to their stories, you realize that everyone starts very small and it takes a lot of trial and error and, and it takes time to get where you are today. So it requires some patience. I always feel like you should know what you want to accomplish in the long run, but focus on those um, smaller goals the more immediate goals i think it's also important to celebrate your successes you know Mm, mm -hmm. every year my sister and i write down everything that we've accomplished right and learned the past year and we're often surprised at how long the list really is and uh in fact the first 15 minutes we kind of just look at each other and say we don't have anything to write but once (laughs) we get started (laughs) we're surprised how long the list is yeah and it and that and that helps motivate us that helps mm-hmm. motivate us because it's, mm-hmm. it is sometimes you, you know, have that long-term goal in mind and you feel like it's, you're not getting closer, but if you really stop uh-huh. and analyze what you've accomplished and set uh-huh. mini goals for the next quarter or six months or year, whatever your time, time, your horizon is, you know, and don't get distracted. I know I've gotten, uh-huh. I'll give you a good example. You know, I sign up for a class that, or a certification that costs a couple thousand dollars and tons of hours to complete. And then I realized, hey, why did I do this? I really, it, I don't need this right now. Uh, it's not what I need to get, you know, my immediate goals accomplished. And, you know, don't, don't try to 
make sure that everything's perfect either. You know, perfection mm-hmm. can be the enemy of good and uh, yes. seize those opportunities when they come. It's like yeah. us with that harvest festival that time. It was only a month away and we didn't have any products. If we had waited, you know, if we had said, oh, we're not ready now, let's wait until next year, you know, but we, we took advantage of the fact that that opportunity was there and we jumped mm-hmm. on it. We did. Yeah. We, we strive for quality, but not for, we have to be careful that we don't always strive for perfection because that can right. really right. Take, distract you. Right, right. Progress, not perfection. What great tips. This is really, really, really useful information for people, not just new entrepreneurs, but people who've been around the barn for a while. Um, We always need these kinds of reminders. So thank you for sharing that. Joanne Volker at MountAiryLavender.com over at Mount Airy Lavender Farm in Eastern Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for joining us on the Indie Business Podcast today. Thanks, Donna Maria. It was wonderful talking to you. All right. Take care now. We'll see you at the conference. Yeah. See you soon. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope this episode of the Indie Business Podcast left you inspired, motivated, and excited about the future of your small business. Let's quickly review three of the most significant business insights Joanne and I discussed today. First of all, don't let your business take over your lifestyle. Joanne works hard to protect her work-life balance. One of the reasons she doesn't want to open a retail store is that it would require her to be tied to a specific schedule, which she feels would take away from the kind of life she wants to enjoy living. By hosting periodic events at the farm, she gets the best of both worlds. She invites the community to come to events on a regular basis, but not on a basis that would require her to be open during times of the day when she would rather have her and her team focused on other things. Second, establish and stick to processes. Joanne stressed the importance of routine in your business. For example, from when to plant and harvest to when to weed and water, Joanne has everything written down so routine processes can be tackled over and over again efficiently and without having to reinvent the wheel each time they need to perform the same task again. And thirdly, Don't forget to celebrate your successes. Joanne reminded us of how important it is to celebrate every single business success we enjoy, no matter how small it is. Instead of looking at a huge mountain you have to climb, break things down into chunks or even quarters so you just can go one step at a time. She says that this approach not only keeps the ball moving forward, but it motivates her to continue. It also has the bonus effect, she says, of preventing her from becoming distracted with bright, shiny objects that would impede her progress. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with someone you know and help spread the word. This podcast is all about the indie business revolution, where people are breaking the mold of traditional entrepreneurship and creating success on their own terms. I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. And if you're listening on iTunes, won't you do me the honor of rating this podcast? It helps me so much to know that you appreciate the amazing people and stories featured here. You can also share episodes from the blog at IndieBusinessNetwork.com to your favorite social media outlets. I will see you on the next episode of the Indie Business Podcast. In the meantime, break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love.